together. Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. January 11, 1970, victory belonged to Hank Stram and his Kansas City Chiefs. TV9 News special report, close up the flood of 77. From the Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri, it's Milwaukee Bucks against the Kansas City Kings. Now Kansas Cityans must decide what happens next. What is to follow the city's Holy Week riots? I am here at the American Royal World Series of Barbecue. Daryl Motley awaits, and the Kansas City Royals are world champions. Professor Harvey K. My brother, my brother back with breaking news. He is the Professor Emeritus from the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. My friends, on Tuesdays, Professor K and myself, we take back America. Me, Professor K, and you. What am I saying? And you, my friends. Who would have thought that in the course of just a few weeks, we'd have two breaking news episodes. We will become the breaking news podcast. Ooh. BNP. (laughs) Anyhow, what we're here to do today, so everyone understands why we sound so giddy, is we want to let people know about the No Labels Common Sense Platform. The No Labels Common Sense Platform, which was released this past week, along with their affections for Joe Manchin, made all the more evident. Let's tell them about this manifesto. I'll just say ahead of time as we get into this, that what made it really outrageous to me and my brother is that they had the audacity. Remember, we have done week upon week upon week of taking back America by way of the great voices of the American promise. And of course, the founding voice of the American promise, even before the declaration, was Thomas Paine's common sense. And what do these guys do? Well, in the great vile tradition of the right, when they're not suppressing Thomas Paine's memory, they try to hijack his name. So we're here tonight to show you what these no-label folks are doing. And I think you made a very good point because you said exactly what this group is. They can claim to be some middle of the road, but you're right, Harvey K. This is what right-wing groups, reactionary groups, this is what they do, and that is what this is. You've heard maybe a little bit about this no-labels thing. They've been teasing really ever since ever since Build Back Better, right? Ever since yeah. Biden released was his version of FDR's New Deal, LBJ's Great Society. And initially, when he had proposed these things with Bernie Sanders, it was initially, what, $9 to $11 trillion bill. It was actually transformative. But thanks to folks like Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema. You know, that bill became a bummer of itself. The Build Back Bummer bummer is what it became, right? And these are the folks who are leading this no-labels effort. And these folks, as you reminded me before we came on, are billionaires, most of whom are staying anonymous in their donations and their encouragement. This is telling. Everyone by now is aware of the fact that Justice, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, is a political Okay. Bought and paid for, you might say, by a billionaire. Well, that wealthy Republican billionaire, Harlan Crow, a Texas real estate mogul, is also a major benefactor to not only Thomas, but also no labels. 
Clarence Thomas, in his concurring opinion for the reversal of Roe v. Wade, this is the same guy, a black man, who laid down the itinerary of how to roll back rights that would strip him of his interracial marriage status. That is Clarence Thomas, and he's being funded by clowns like Harlan Crow, and he is trying to prop up this group that's essentially trying to insult your intelligence. That's what this is. What's his wife's name, Ginny? Jenny Thomas, who helped to amplify these bad crazy claims that came from Giuliani and that one gal who just, I don't know what planet she's on. This is the crowd that these no-label folks keep. We're taking a walk, <laughs> y'all. We apologize. Well, let's read to them from the introduction, the sweetness of the introduction to the no-labels. Call it a manifesto. You want to take it first? You know, I was rambling. I went on a soapbox. You should take it away. <laughs> okay. They begin. Most Americans are decent, caring, reasonable, and patriotic people. We do not see those traits reflected in our politics today. Instead, we see our two major political parties dominated by angry and extremist voices driven by ideology and identity politics rather than what's best for our country. We hear reason and persuasion, the pillars of our democracy since its founding, being replaced by anger and intimidation. So many of us are concerned. We worry about falling behind and wonder why so much of what people say or do in Washington, D.C. has no connection to the kitchen table concerns most Americans think about every day. If you feel this way, no labels common sense is for you. This booklet takes its name and inspiration from the original Common Sense pamphlet. And by the way, I gotta interject. This is so perverse, their claim that is inspired by Thomas Paine's Common Sense. So let's begin that paragraph again, but leave in what I just said. This booklet takes its name and inspiration from the original Common Sense pamphlet, published in 1776 by Thomas Paine. Its arguments for America's independence from Great Britain were so clear and inspirational that historians rank Paine as one of the fathers of the American Revolution. Well, if common sense helped found America then, it can help restore America now. Up until this point, I feel like they are just studying the writings of one Harvey J.K. <laughs> I guess I'm a political <laughs> too. <laughs> well... If common sense helped found America then, it can help restore America now. No Labels has spent the past two years listening to and surveying tens of thousands of Americans to understand their priorities, concerns, and aspirations. They helped us identify where our next president should apply some common sense leadership to improve Americans' quality of life and make our nation safer, stronger, and more prosperous. Along the way, it became clear that most Americans agree on foundational beliefs that many politicians have forgotten. So I'm going to pause right here because we're about to get now to our foundational beliefs, whatever that is, from No Labels. And we did take a little bit of a soapbox tangent earlier. Full disclosure, we're about to do that again. How about you read the first? We are grateful to live in a country where we can openly disagree with other people. Sweetness and light. That's what these people are all about. <laughs> Second, we care about our country more than any political party. What the f*** does that even mean? <laughs> Number three, we respect hard work and believe it should be rewarded. Yeah, the billionaires want to make sure 
that they continue to receive the next one, two or three billion in their bank accounts. But we also believe America should help people who cannot help themselves or fall on hard time. I don't see any reference here to returning the tax rate on income and wealth to what it was back in the 1950s, hmm. back when we were really a prosperous nation. And even though the rich were still getting richer, those who were working class and poor, their incomes were rising as well. And in fact, inequality was decreasing. I see nothing about that here. But let's go. We want, they say, bullet point number four, a well-functioning government that addresses our common problems and empowers every American no matter who they are, where they are from, or what they believe, to reach their full individual potential. I don't believe I came across, because I didn't read the whole thing, it's 72 pages long, but I can't imagine they were talking about free public higher education. I'm hitting control F, and I'm not seeing any mention of that. <laughs> and we will wrap it up with this. Again, a foundational belief. We know America is not perfect. But we'd rather live here than anywhere else. That's an actual bullet point. Do you want to continue on? Let's go ahead and read till the end of this page because they mentioned some folks in here called the House Problem Solvers Caucus. We're going to circle back to them. Our beliefs are so obvious, so grounded in the American experience and timeless American ideals like pride and patriotism, free expression, and of course, they add in free enterprise, generosity, and goodwill toward our fellow Americans that we shouldn't even have to say them. You know, this is tough not using the F-bomb over and over again. <laughs> but we do. I'll read this next one, then hand it back over to you. But we do because powerful and extreme forces in both major parties so obviously reject them. That's why America is in the mess we are now in. It's why American politics no longer feels like a battle of ideas. Feels more like a war of two tribes bent on each other's destruction. No mention here of 45 years of class war on the working class, on the rights of women, on the rights of people of color, no mention whatsoever, no mention at all of the degree to which the billionaire class that existed once upon a time as merely millionaire class has basically driven this country to the edge of an abyss. Take it away, next paragraph. The way out is for America's growing common sense majority to come together in advance of the 2024 presidential election to demand something better and to clarify what we expect from whoever will occupy the White House in January of 25. This booklet provides a clear blueprint for where America's common sense majority wants this country to go. Now we just need a president with the courage to lead us there. Years ago, when No Labels founded the bipartisan House Problem Solvers Caucus, one of its members articulated what would soon become the group's North Star. He said, let's focus on the areas where most of us can agree before we start fighting over where we most disagree. Before we keep going, let me pause. I said we come back to the House Problem Solvers Caucus. That is the same Problem Solvers Caucus that voted against raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. They're against student loan forgiveness. They are against higher regulations for climate. I mean, that's solving problems, huh? I think it's creating problems. Well, they say no labels developed common sense 
this booklet supposedly inspired by Thomas Paine with the same spirit. We know this spirit is still alive in America because we've seen it recently from no labels, courageous allies in the Problem Solvers Caucus and the Senate who have managed to defy the odds and lead the passage of historic bipartisan legislation like the 2021 Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. In parenthesis or in brackets, we should say, but we made sure to crush Build Back Better. Most important, we see the spirit in the legions of Americans who join the no-label movements every day and who know in their hearts that this great nation of ours can do better. We know that we people deserve better from our political leaders. In these pages, you will find a way for us to break out of the endless doom loop consuming our politics. Here you will find the optimistic and one day soon triumphant voice of America's common sense majority. Well, let us be clear about this. This is bullshit. Now, let me just give a few examples, and we'll, then we will circle back to where Thomas Paine has no place being associated with this document. They claim they're looking for a middle road. The group seeks to mine the middle on a host of hot-button political issues, like abortion, immigration, and gun control. I'm drawing these lines, by the way, from Lever News, the news service that David Sirota set up. In any case, subscribe. If you can afford to subscribe as a premium subscriber, do. It's the most valuable source these days. Absolutely, yep. Quote, most Americans do not support a total ban on abortion. Okay. And most Americans do not support unlimited access to abortion at later stage of pregnancy, the group writes, adding, quote, abortion is too important and complicated an issue to say it's common sense to pass a law nationally or in the states that draws a clear line at a certain stage of pregnancy. So they're trying to, they're trying to break through on that one, but they haven't said anything. But also, we literally had an answer to that. We had the number. It was 27 winks, and it was overturned by folks like these clowns who contributed and helped buy off the Supreme Court that made that decision. The agenda, Lever News reports, calls for Medicare to expand its plan to start negotiating some drug prices in 2026, but it would largely leave in place and fortify corporate control over the healthcare system, endorsing a so-called, in quotes, value-based care model for Medicare and Medicaid that would give health insurers and doctors financial incentives to limit or ration patient care. What does that mean? We're going to give the health insurers even more money to limit patient care, something they already do. You know what this sounds like. I mean, they talked in circles, but that is called privatizing Medicare. That's exactly what it is. It goes on. No label solution to America's housing crisis is to pass new tax credits to incentivize construction an approach that is generally a boon for developers and investors. The document vaguely calls for social security cuts, asserting that, quote, the longer Washington waits to fix social security, the harder it will be to do so, and the more likely it becomes that Americans will get hit with punishing tax increases, significant benefit cuts, or both. Pause. In common sense, there is no talk of imposing tax increases or anything at all about raising taxes on the wealthy. Even though this common sense idea is broadly popular, even among Republicans. And by the way, the word inequality does not appear in the 72-page document. Wow. Now, let me add a couple of other items here. And this is from the LA Times story. Some of the policy documents' ideas are based on popular mythologies and received wisdom, or really received misinformation. Some are self-contradictory. On crime, for example, the document says, quote, Americans are worried about the surge of crime. However, two paragraphs later, it acknowledges that violent crime, quote, is down 44% since the 1990s. So which one is it? 
Which one is it? <laughs> it's right. I just want to go back since we've spent the last couple of years doing Take Back America. Look, Thomas Paine was an American revolutionary patriot who came to this country from England without many resources except those he carried of experience and intellect and his capacity to work with his hands. He came to America and he ended up getting a break. He became the editor of the Pennsylvania Magazine. And he fell in love with America. It's undeniable. And he saw that in America, Americans had it in their power, as he says, in Common Sense, the pamphlet, the power to begin the world over again. This was a truly revolutionary document. This was not a document for a majority of folks who did not want progressive action. Admittedly, they didn't want taxation. But if they were asked, who do you want to tax? You knew damn well who they'd want to tax. They want to tax the rich folks. Just stop taxing us. That was the Thomas Paine who would take no prisoners when it came to making the case for radical action. These guys are trying to find some bizarre middle that actually favors conservative politics and politicians. It is not unusual at all for conservatives and others who are not progressive or more importantly, radically minded. It's not unlike such folks to hijack Thomas Paine. For 200 years, conservatives, political conservatives, cultural conservatives, business conservatives, religious conservatives, they all sought to suppress Thomas Paine's memory. And it was only the radical movements from below of abolitionists, of women activists and suffragists, of populists, of labor unionists, of socialists, of progressives, of anarchists, Martin Luther King, who found hope in that line, we have it in our power to begin the world over again. Franklin Roosevelt, who called on Thomas Paine to rally Americans to fight fascism in World War II. I mean, over and over again, what we saw is conservatives wanted to suppress Paine's memory and fighting liberals, radicals, and socialists wanted to redeem that memory, and they made him their champion. Now, it is notable that conservatives in the past, as much as they wanted to crush his memory, and they wanted to do that because they knew that working people had made Paine a hero, and the last thing they wanted to do was remind those working people of the radicalism that they felt, but quite often their political leaders were unwilling to tap. But here's a funny story. Most of you are probably, like Hartzell, too young to remember this, but I'll tell you. In 1964, the right wing in the Republican Party first took control of the party and succeeded in nominating Barry Goldwater, senator from Arizona, to become the presidential nominee for their party, as I said, in 1964. By the way, Barry Goldwater opposed Social Security. Barry Goldwater basically opposed everything that came out of the New Deal, and he was prepared to act, literally to act, to bring an end to them. And that's what these right-wing Republicans wanted. So he wanted to give a powerful acceptance speech at the Republican convention. They drafted for him, and he participated in drafting a speech. However, turned out he didn't like the speech. So they brought in a young I think he was like an associate professor of political science at maybe it was Ohio University to write it. It was Harry Jaffa, who went on to become one of the foremost conservative intellectuals in the United States and the godfather in residence at the Claremont Institute in Southern California, a leading conservative think tank, believe me, leading. There are the East Coast Straussians and the West Coast Straussians. This was the home of the West Coast Straussians. That's Leo Strauss, conservative intellectual who's long passed. Here's the thing. Goldwater, in that speech, there's a line in that speech 
which became famous and also infamous, considered one of the famous lines of political rhetoric of the 20th century. And he said, extremism in defense of liberty is no vice. Moderation in the pursuit of justice is no virtue. And what everyone remembered was extremism in defense of liberty is no vice. Well, you can bet the likes of every single right-wing extremist around just loved when they heard that. And by the way, Goldwater got devastatingly defeated by Lyndon Johnson that year. And the coup de grace, the final act was, of course, when Johnson's team released a video of a little girl picking a daisy. And behind her, it's the countdown. Ten. Nine, right? A countdown to what? To a nuclear bomb going off. Six, eight, nine. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. These are the stakes to make a world in which all of God's children can live or to go into the dark. We must either love each other or we must die. Vote for President Johnson on November 3rd. The stakes are too high for you to stay home. This was to warn people of the warmongering Barry Goldwater who would have been prepared, they argued, to use nuclear weapons. Well, I have to tell you that that line, extremism in defense of liberty is no vice, moderation in the pursuit of justice is no virtue, was hijacked from Thomas Paine. Back in the 1790s, wrote this, moderation in temper is always a virtue, but moderation in principle is a species of vice. And that's a hell of a lot different than extremism in defense of liberty is no vice, which in political terms could sound like a real call to action on January 6th. So. These folks were earlier had Barry Goldwyn as their champion, but when the new right emerges, so heavily dependent on the votes of Christian nationalists, then they would have been just the moral majority types, he disavowed their politics. And then, oddly enough, the real hijacking of Thomas Paine, because Goldwyn didn't mention Paine's name, Ronald Reagan, 1980, in his acceptance speech at the Republican National Convention, and don't forget, Ronald Reagan had once upon a time been a very progressive liberal FDR Democrat, but shifted in the course of the 1950s. Sidebar, you should all know that in 1960, Ronald Reagan came back from retirement from the Hollywood Labor Union, the Screen Actors Guild, in which he had been president, to lead the strike of SAG in 1960, okay, against the Hollywood studios. Just, I mean... All I can say is history is filled with ironies. That's all I can tell you, because that's the same Reagan who later fires all of the air traffic controllers. So Ronald Reagan goes before the Republican convention. Here is the champion of political conservatism. And in his speech, he quotes Thomas Paine, Abraham Lincoln, and Franklin Delano Roosevelt, <laughs> which outraged some conservative intellectuals, especially George Will, the most prominent of conservative columnists. And what did Reagan say? Well, he didn't say... These are the times that try men's souls, which wouldn't have been too shocking. He said something that liberals hadn't even been saying. We have it in our power to be in the world over again. So Payne's, Payne's ghost, you might say, is used to being shunted aside, shit upon, hijacked, you name it. But truly, it is the case that every progressive and radical movement in this country found its way to laying hold of Thomas Payne's words and making him their champion. And these folks, 
at no, what the hell they call themselves? No labels. No labels. Well, they should take a label and put it over their mouths <laughs> the future, okay? How's that? Or over the keyboards of their computers. These folks were trying to hijack the revolutionary, the radical spirit of Thomas Paine for a document which pretends to be seeking a sweet way forward, happy medium between right and left, but is actually really a billionaire's call for don't blame us, blame the two political parties. And when you go to vote, you may get to vote for Joe Manchin. How's that? The same Joe Manchin, who is a multi, 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 multi-millionaire. That same Joe Manchin, the guy who's got the yacht. Wait a minute, give him a break. He's not a billionaire, you know. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Harvey K., I think we do this one. We call it Don't Fall for the Okie Doke. That's a great title. Because these folks, these folks, they've got the money. You're going to see these messages. You're going to hear disingenuous, phony messages out of these rich folks who are just trying to make it easier for them and their rich buddies to keep getting rich. I mean, that's all this project is. That's what it seems to be. Exactly what it seems to be. I would say it's quite possible they're not <clears throat> fully lining up any more than Barry Goldwater would have with the Christian right, because they're trying to temper on the question of a woman's right to choose. But they remain the very same folks who have been underwriting too many of the initiatives that have brought us to that kind of democratic crisis that we suffer and the abyss indeed. Professor K, where can these folks find you on the Twitter sphere? Or I guess on the- Oh, the exosphere. Quoting Professor K. In fact, no, you make the quote. If we're not tweeting- Are we supposed to be exiting? I don't know. <laughs> Where can folks find you, Professor K? Harvey J.K. H-A-R-V-E-Y, initial J-K-A-Y-E. And how about you, Hartzell? What's your call letters? They can find me at Hartzell965. You can get the show, the KC Morning Show, at KC Morning Show on Twitter, the KC Morning Show on Instagram. My brother, back with, I'm sure, another breaking episode next week. Just go ahead and just go ahead and pencil it in. I would love to be able to predict what it is. But if that were true, you and I would be heading straight to the racetrack. I will see you in the stands. <laughs> Great as ever. Love you, brother. We'll chat next week. Love you.